Hey, this is John Huseman. I'm the pastor of the Ark Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it draws you closer to God. Enjoy the message. A special group that we want to welcome. There are those that are watching online from all over, all around. So church, let's welcome those watching online. Hello. We can't wait for you to join us in person, but I still believe God can reach all the way through a screen just like he can in the room. So thank you for joining us. So uh, I always like to say this service is being recorded. So if you get a, a crying or playful child, you can kind of have them experience church out in the lobby. If your husband gets crying or playful, help him experience in a, a place. I just, I, want, I always want this to be a place where you can experience God. That's the goal. How do you get as close to God as possible? That's what I want to do. I want to create a place where you can always hear from God, experience God, be close to God. So that's why I say that each and every week. Like, I always want this to be a place where you can come and experience the Lord. So um, I want to introduce you to the, the newest member of the Hughesman family. He, he's not brand new. He's been part of our family for four years. So um, this is Murphy. Okay, now this is Murphy when he has had a haircut. Now this is what Murphy looks like without a haircut. Same dog. <laughs> he doesn't look too happy. <laughs> we, we thought it was cute. He's like, you're torturing me. Cut my hair. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll, go back to, we'll go back to Murphy. So um, Murphy joined our family about four years ago. And uh, he loves to run away whenever he possibly can. Um, he loves to get in the trash whenever he possibly can. And his newest thing is that if we're gone and we leave the door open, he'll go in my bedroom and pee right next to my, my bed. Um, so if anyone's looking for a dog today, um, Murphy can be yours. No, my children are crying right now. He's, he's staying with us. Uh, everything's okay. Um, but I, I don't know, maybe a year ago or something like that, we're getting ready to have a big breakfast. And I, I say to the family, keep Murphy outside. Do not let him in. There's bacon over here. There's biscuits over here. There's, there's all kinds of danger, 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 danger. Do not let Murphy in. And we, I just went to the bedroom just for a quick moment. I came back out. Murphy is on the counter devouring everything he possibly can. Like he, who did it? Which one of you children? And they all just said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So um, today I'm talking about decisions. You ever made a bad decision? You ever bought a dog thinking that would be a good choice? That would help your family. That, that would be a good thing to do. Well, um, let, let me just tell you right now, um, you made a good decision by being here today. You could... You, you could be a lot of places. You made a good decision just by getting up, just by getting to church, just by putting yourself in a position. Here's what church is. Church is putting yourself in a position to hear from God. That's what church is. You put yourself in a position to grow closer to him, to hear from him, to say, God, speak to me through a song, speak to me through a scripture, speak to me through a moment. So you are in a position to hear from God, to get closer to God. Like that's, that's half the battle. So you made a great decision today. Can I ask you to make another great decision next week? Would you really invite someone to church? Think about someone. Like I read this, I read this statistic this past week. 71% of the unchurched say they're likely 
to accept a personal invitation from a family member, a friend, or a neighbor to attend church. 71%. All you have to do is ask. There are people that God is already working on their heart. They're already thinking about, man, I kind of want to go check that church out. I want to go here. They're just waiting. And we've made it as easy for you as possible. Will you come to church with me? Will you come to church with me? So think about someone you can ask. Think about somebody you can invite. Like I was invited to church. My life was changed because of Jesus. My life was changed forever and ever and ever because of him. I want as many people to know that as possible. That's part of who we are as a church. Actually, Hebrews eleven seven is our, our founding verse. It says, by faith, Noah, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. What we care about is reaching households. We care about the lost. We care about the hurting. We care about people that haven't been in church in a long time. Like, we think the answer is Jesus. That's what we think the answer is. And so we're going to do everything we can to see households saved, healed, and redeemed. And I love what it says in Romans 1.16. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. We're going to be on earth for maybe a hundred years. I don't know. Maybe for you, that's 50, that's 30, that's 20. I don't know. We're, we're not going to be here for, I'm going to be in eternity forever and ever and ever. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm trying to get as many people to heaven as possible. Jesus is the answer. He'll save me. He'll heal me. He'll redeem me. So it's like, I'm not ashamed. Will you come to church with me? Will you come to church? Will you sit next to me? And then when you come to church and someone's sitting in the seat, usually sit in, be nice to them. Try a different seat. Try sitting on the opposite side. Like, it's okay. But we have to continue to reach out. There's thousands of people in this city that they don't know Jesus. Thousands. So we have to reach them. This is a great opportunity. People already feel obligated about coming to church on Easter. So you say, hey, where are you going on Easter? You want to come to church with me? Now, you might have someone's like, eh. be like, hey, 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 it's one hour. They take care of your kids. They give you donuts. They'll give you a free coffee. Like just, you can handle anything for an hour. So yeah. But if your whole life is kind of in a, a stressful situation, you feel like things are kind of messed up right now, when you have someone in church because you invited them and they're sitting next to you and they end up giving their life to Jesus, you're going to feel a lot better. You're going to feel incredible. We got a testimony a couple years ago where this, this, this lady, she said, my dad, I've wanted him to come to church for years and years and years. He never came. He showed up on Easter. He raised his hand, dedicated his life to God. She's like, tears were streaming down my face. She's like, thank you for telling me to invite a friend. So you, you never know who God is working on. You never know what he's going to do in you and through you. So let's invite some people to church. Let's get them. Let's let Jesus get them. So if you, if you have your Bibles today, you can open up to Luke chapter 19, and we're going to look at the story. What was Jesus doing the week before Easter? What was he doing? I promise you, he was not getting a dog. He was not getting a dog the week before Easter. So we're going to start the story. Luke 19, I'll read for the NIV version, starting in verse 29. It says, as Jesus approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, 
Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. So the disciples are like, okay, you want us to just go to this random town, walk up to a house that has a colt, start to take it, start to untie it and take it. And when they say, what are y'all doing? Just say, the Lord needs it. He's like, yeah. They're like, okay, yeah, we, we, we thought so. They're walking away being like, ah, oh, you idiot. We could have been in the back of the group, but we had to be next to Jesus. You wanted to be next to Jesus. We had to be close to him. Like, <laughs> they're like why did we have to be chosen to do this? Like, this, this doesn't make sense. And then they're like, this is like the NRA capital of Israel. Everyone there is packing. Everyone there, like, no one is going to let us take, uh, they'll kill us, right? So in their mind, they're saying, like, this doesn't make sense. Jesus, your way doesn't make sense. Your plan doesn't make sense. There's got to be a better way. Jesus, there's holes in your plan. I know you're asking me to do something, but it actually doesn't make sense. I've said this to God. (laughs) I have tried to explain to God how my way would actually make a lot more sense than doing it his way. What I've learned, his way is the best way. His ways are higher. He has, he sees things. He knows things. He's preparing things. He's already working when I can't even see it. There's actually a great promise for someone today. It's in um, Isaiah 45 too. And it says this. It says, I will go before you and I will make the rough places smooth. I will shatter the doors of bronze and cut through their iron bars. So he, he's saying, I'm going to go before you. I know you don't understand the instruction. I know you don't understand why you need to do this. I know it doesn't make sense in your head, but he's like, I'll go before you. I will help you. It doesn't have to make sense to you. We are people that we walk by faith. I don't have to know step seven, eight, nine, ten. I just have to know what step one is. So a great question is like, is God asking you to do something that doesn't make sense to you? Is he asking you to forgive someone? Is he asking you to serve? Is he asking you to give? And you're like, give, how could I give? How could I, how could I tithe? I mean, that's 10%. I don't even know how it would, how it would work out. Whatever God asks you to do, when you say yes, it ends up working out. You don't have to know steps seven, eight, nine, ten. You have to just be able to say, God, I trust you. It's your way. You have a better plan for me than I have for myself. Because the X factor, it's always Jesus. He is the X factor. He is the king above all kings. He is able to do exceedingly more than what we would even ask or think or imagine. So let's, let's see what happens to our disciples. Verse 32, it says, Those who were sent ahead, they went, and they found it just as he told them. So that they found the, the, the horse, they found the house, they found it. And, so, um, and as they were untying the colt, the owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? (laughs) They replied, the Lord needs it. And they brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt and Jesus was put on it. Like it happened just like Jesus said it was going to happen. 
It doesn't make sense to them. It doesn't make sense that this should work out. It doesn't make sense that I should have peace right now because my life is in total chaos, but I have peace. It doesn't make sense that I should feel close to God and I should feel like things are going to work out because really there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this. But I have peace. I'm not in fear. I don't have anxiety. I don't have the worry that I used to have. Like it doesn't make sense. Well, what happened? Jesus you add Jesus into the equation. You add Jesus into the mix. You do the things that he says to do. And even when it doesn't make sense in your mind, he is able to work it out. So the disciples, they do, they do what he says to do. And now they got this cult and they put Jesus on. They're like, I can't believe it. Well, what happened? They're like, we said the Lord needs it. And then all of a sudden they said, okay. And then we walked right out of town with this dude's cult. Never been ridden, never like brand new. And it dawns on them. This is the first time Jesus has said, the Lord, I am the Lord. I am the Messiah. I am the one you've been thinking about, the one that you've been praying about. I am. I am the Lord. You tell them the Lord needs it. Now you might think, well, what what, what does that have to do with anything? Because Jewish culture has been thinking about the promises and the prophecies of a, of a king that's coming, of a redemption, of a salvation. They've been talking about it for years and years and years. The United States is almost 250 years old, almost. There is a promise that has been talked about for over 500 years. 500 years, the, the prophet Zechariah, he said these words. This is Zechariah 9.9. And he said... Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Righteous, victorious, lowly, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. They have been hearing about this for 500 years. They've taught their children. They've taught their children's children. They've taught their children's children's children. Like, I don't know how much 500 children's are, but there's a lot of children's, right? So they've been talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. When you see this, redemption's here. When you witness this, that means salvation. That means there's a new king. There's a new Messiah. So he just said, tell them the Lord needs it. That means our life is about to change Everything in our world is about to be different. He's the actual Messiah, so he's going to be the king. He's going to be the savior. The Romans are dead. We're going to now get out of oppression. Like, it's going to be like this. They have an expectation that it's going to look differently than what it actually looks like. They have an expectation Jesus is going to take over the government. Jesus is going to institute this new government, this new regime, They have this expectation that it's going to look totally different than what it's actually going to look like. See, Jesus doesn't always do things the way that we want him to do them. And so we'll continue on with the story. I lost my, this is verse 36. It says, as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When they came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples, they began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees are like, hey, shh, they can't talk like that. 
They're saying you're the Messiah. They're saying you're the chosen king. They're saying Zechariah 9.9 is coming true. They're saying, shh, they can't talk like that. Jesus is like, if they don't, the stones will cry out. The stones will cry out if they don't cry out. So there's, there's these people that are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the king. Victory is coming. Victory is coming. You see, when I was a little kid on Palm Sunday, I got to have like the little branches, you know, and I would like come down the hall and, I, you know, a little kid had like a little kid presentation and, and that was my chance to like whack people. So I'd be like walking down the hall like, Hosanna, psh, Hosanna, psh. And these people are like, oh, who is that kid? Future preacher right here. Okay. Um, but I never understood why. I never understood why are they doing this? Why, why is there this big procession and people have branches and they're, they're claiming victory and they're claiming salvation? Like, why? Because they think their lives are about to change. They think there's a new government. They think Jesus is going to come in and he's going to take over. And they have this expectation, life is going to look like this. And Jesus is like, I never intended to do that. I wasn't ever going to become the government leader. I wasn't ever going to become the new regime. He has a kingdom that he wants to bring that's different than the kingdom that we're thinking of. And if you've ever wondered, like, how to get offended, it's when you expect God to do this, and then this happens. And you say to yourself, it should have been like this. It should have never happened. This should have never. God, where were you? God, why didn't you? God, I thought you would. And then it didn't happen. That's when you get offended. That's when a root of bitterness can get in your life and can prevent you from moving forward and prevent you from receiving the healing and the peace that God always intended you to have. So these people are saying, God is now going to do this. And Jesus is like, it's not going to happen like that. In 2005, Lindsay and I, uh, it was Lindsay, I, and we had a dog named Sadie who also used to destroy things and pee everywhere. So I, I think maybe we have an owner problem um, when it comes to, to dogs. But um, we had just paid off our college debt. We were like, we are ready to have a family. We prayed about it. We were excited about it. We're like, we're going to have a family. And so we, we got pregnant. We're thrilled. We wait until the allotted time you're supposed to wait. And so then we post it. And it's so exciting. Like we're, we're youth pastors at a church, the whole church. They announce it. People are coming up to us, talking about it. They're so excited. It's on Facebook. It's, it's everywhere. And then a week later, uh-oh, we go to the hospital have a miscarriage, and we lost the baby. We expected it to be like this, and now this happens. Why? God, why? God, what happened? We prayed about it. We trust you. We serve you. We're pastors. Why? There's kids that we minister to that they, they're pregnant. They're teenagers. They don't even want it. Like, we, we want it. We waited. We did the thing that you asked us to do. Why, why, why? Why is this happening? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with him? What's wrong with her? What, why, why, why? All this stuff is happening. This is happening that whole entire day. It's even happening as we're laying in bed together that night. All this stuff is happening. But we had the wisdom 
to grab hands and say, let's pray. And we said, God, we don't understand, but we trust you. I don't like what's happening. I'm in a lot of pain right now, but I trust you. You are my savior. You are my helper. We're asking you for help. Sometimes we're not going to understand why. We're not going to see steps 7, 8, 9, 10. I don't know if I ever am going to understand why. But I stayed with God. If you stay with God, he'll work it out. If you stay with God, he will help you. He will minister to you. You might not be 100% over what happened, but he wants you to stay with him. He's the healer. He's the helper. Miraculously, a year later, Brooklyn Joy was born. And her life has restored so much joy back to Lindsay and I. Her life has restored so much joy back to us. And so I don't know for you what that is. When you expect God to do this, and then this happens. But if you get offended, that's a chance where, where you're, you're, you're letting go of peace. You're letting go of healing. You're letting go of, of, of the plan and the purpose that God has for you. When it's like, you don't have to know. But you can just stay close to him. God, I trust you. God, I love you. God, I want the thing that you want for my life. You're a healer. You're a helper. So I'm not going to run away from you. I'm going to stay close to you. So all these people, they think Jesus is going to come in and be the king. So they're cheering. They're shouting. They're, well, what, 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 what's next? What happens next? This is verse 42. 41, it says, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. So you're telling me Jesus is weeping? Yeah. The people are shouting. The people are saying, Hosanna. The people are saying, salvation is here. There's a new kingdom coming. There's a new this coming. This is all going to be amazing. Jesus is now going to solve all my problems. It's going to look like this. And Jesus is weeping. He's like, oh, you think an extra zero on the end of your paycheck is the answer. You think a bigger house is the answer. You think a great spouse is the answer. You think if, if he would change or she would change, you think that's the answer. You think all these things over here are the answer. And he's weeping because he's like, if only you knew I'm the answer. Jesus is the answer. He wants to bring you peace. He wants to bring you healing. He wants to bring hope back into your life. It's not all this stuff over here. It's not. It's not a new kingdom. It's not a new president. It's not a new regime. It's not if the Romans end up leaving. No, no, Jesus is like, I have a kingdom that has peace, that has healing, that has wholeness, that has answers for you. And so on the, in, the, in the midst of all this cheering and shouting and salvation, 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 he's weeping. Because he wants to change their life. He wants a relationship with them, but they can't see it. I've been distracted before. And I've been in places before where I thought this would bring me peace. And this would bring me peace. And so I thought maybe if you, if, if you make this much money, it'll bring you peace. Or if I, if I do this, or I accomplish this, or I get to this point, or if we have this, or this, or this. It's not. It's Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He has healing. He has hope. He has restoration. He has everything that you need. And so on Easter, man, he is the resurrection and the life. But the week before, what's he doing? 
He's coming into the city weeping because there's all these people who are lost. There's all these people that are hurting. And he's like, I have the answer, but they're expecting something else. So a great question is, what are you expecting today? What do you expect will change your life? What do you expect will change it? Is it Jesus? Is it more money? Is it a bigger home, a better car, a different spouse? What, what do you expect? But if you'll pull back and say, God, I trust you. I love you. I'm leaning into you. He is the Prince of Peace. That means he has peace unlike anything else this world can offer. If you lean into him and say, God, I want more of you. I want more of your peace. Forgive me. I've been distracted. Forgive me for looking here, here, here. I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to the one who is my answer, who is my savior, who has everything I need in his hands. Let me pray for you as we close today. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for Jesus, that he looks at us. He cares so much that he weeps. He wants a relationship with us so much that his heart is moved. And so God, give us courage, give us strength, give us faith to reach out to you, that you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life, you're what we need. So thank you for that revelation. Thank you that you speak to us. Thank you that you tenderly speak your truth into our life. You have peace. You have hope. You have redemption. You have healing. As your eyes are closed, your heads are bowed, maybe you're here today. Maybe you find yourself in a place you don't want to be in. You're far away from God. You're not as close to him as you want to be. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up or come to the front, but I'd love to pray with you. Or maybe you're here today and you're like, this whole God thing is totally new to me. I've never even heard that God wants a relationship with me. You can take one step too. You don't have to have everything figured out. You can just say, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life. So whether it's the first time or the first time in a long time, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you want prayer today, just slip up your hand and say, pray for me, pray for me. I'm dedicating my life to God. Pray for me, pray for me. Yep, 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 yep. Good, 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 good. Yep, yep, good, good, good. You can put your hands down. God sees your hand. God sees your heart. Let's say this prayer together as one big church family. Repeat after me. Say, dear God, I ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I confess that I sinned, but I'm asking you to forgive me, to heal me, and to redeem me. Today, God, I dedicate my life fully to you. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Let's celebrate life change today. I love that every single week we see lives change. So, so people say, well, what do I do? What do I do once I make that? What do I do? First thing you tell somebody, we can't do life alone. We can't do life alone. Like I got to tell somebody, I need people in my life. You need people in your life. So tell somebody. And then the second thing is just keep coming back. Keep coming back to a place where you can be around believers. You can be in a community of faith. You can sign up to do a prayer walk. You can sign up to do a grocery giveaway. You can sign up to be in a connect group. Like keep coming back. God has such a great plan for your life. God has so many amazing things in store for you. So if you can help us, I need 12 people that say, I'll do a prayer walk this week. We're gonna pray over every home, 
every house, every apartment. And next week, invite somebody to Easter. It's going to be incredible. So God bless you. Have a great Sunday.